Get yourself some sandbags or some weight vests or some cool fitness apparel at freedomstrength.us. Go to freedomstrength.us. When you make your purchase, use the discount code SMN10 to receive your discount. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Steel Mace Nation podcast. Today with me is Monica Bolt, uh, and her Instagram is Bold Fit Technique, and you can follow her over there. And Monica, thanks for coming on the podcast. I'm anxious to hear about you know everything that you're doing with clubs and everything. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I'm excited to always talk about clubs. So, <laughs> yeah, I I saw a, a video of you. You were using some uh, really nice meals. Uh, I think you said they were made of walnut. Mm -hmm. um, beautiful and great technique. And I noticed, yes, uh, good technique is a big part of uh, everything you do, uh, your kettlebells, everything. Uh, you pay attention to detail. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I wanted you to come on today to talk about, you know, how, uh, how, built yourself up to be able to uh, develop that technique and uh, some of your background. So why don't you start off with just letting us know, you know, where you hail from and what your plans are for the future with um, training. Awesome. Yeah, sure. So uh, I hail from the Lone Star State of Texas. <laughs> nice. Um, there's not like in my pocket because I'm in Fort Worth. There's I don't think I've ever seen anybody really swing a steel mace or do Indian clubs. Like as far as I know, I'm a lone wolf out here besides like Austin area where we have on it, of course. Um, so just trying to pave the way in my area, but, um, my, my background wasn't very athletic. <laughs> um, I was a figure skater for 14 years, played tennis, but I wouldn't say I was very good at it per se. I just, um, developed a lot of discipline, a lot of perseverance within me. And um, through that process, though, uh, I, I knew at a pretty relatively young age, I actually wanted to be a trainer and a coach. So um, got myself certified and, and training and education about 14 years ago. And, um, you know, been down that path. I started basically with more like bodybuilding style uh, fitness and training. And then I'm trying to think now if it's 2009, 2009, 2010, I got acquainted uh, with kettlebells and fell in love <laughs> for obvious reasons. Um, they're such a great tool. So uh, really poured my heart and soul into that training, uh, developed more of my athleticism. And then I just went down the whole rabbit hole with that and got myself um, as high as high up in that um, world and that organization from RKC to Strong First as I possibly could. And then I got into circular training, let's see, probably now four and a half years ago. And that was another thing. When I got a pair of clubs in my hands, I just fell in love with it. So there's a lot of reasons why I gravitated towards that, um, partly because I have a, a music background and there's, for me, a lot of parallels with that. But um, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So we need there, to talk about that. Yeah. But There's something with my brain that made me just fell in love with clubs because of how I um, 
just I'm, I'm a singer so like my musical side there was just a correlation for me yes but um so I've been doing that's kind of my bread and butter I love both of those tools a whole lot they just kind of make a complete system for me although I do barbell and everything else in between but um that's kind of my passion I really want to spread the word about clubs because it really is for anybody and everybody and uh, thankfully, I've been able to do a lot of these workshops and they keep popping up. And so it's it's exciting to, you know, kind of introduce people to that foundation and then they can do with it as they will. So that's my kind of my long term goal is to continue um, the development of what I started here and just reach more people. Yeah, that's uh, I, I think that's a reoccurring theme with most of us that are into this type of modality. Uh, everybody's like. I want to teach this. And I don't know. I mean, have you ever really felt that strongly about teaching anything in your life? Uh, you Well, <laughs> it's funny you should say that. So I knew, again, at a young age, probably 15 or 16, I wanted to do seminars and workshops in the fitness, um, uh, you know, a world. I didn't know exactly what it was going to look like, but I have kind of a, a teacher's heart, um, you know, with music and stuff. I was a voice teacher. So that component is part, part of me. And honestly, too, I want people to feel good. Like that's a driving motivation is that people, I want to pe people to see what they're capable of and feel their best. And so it was a tool that I feel that a lot of people can benefit from. I absolutely enjoy teaching it because there's such a creative component to it and people have a lot of fun. It's just different. So um, yeah, I, I really love teaching it. I love teaching uh, more skill-based things because, you know, if you're a trainer and a coach, sometimes just fat loss <laughs> training or uh, just even strength training sometimes it's great, but having skill-based training, it especially as people get older, and I'm sure you can attest to just swinging mace and stuff. There's a brain component, a neurological component that is really helpful the older we get, and so uh, I've seen the benefits for me, and it's exciting to share that with others. Yeah, that's that is true. I uh, I think that is a recurring theme with everybody that's been on the podcast too. Um, the, developing that skill and how it helps with so much in your life and it can, it can change things for you. So why do you um, want to help people so much with fitness? Why is that so important? Well, so let me, kind of a twofold answer there. So I'm one of those people that people could say, oh, she's never had a problem with weight or she's never had this or issue. Well, that's not true. So like I said, I don't necessarily have an athletic background. Um, I didn't have any necessarily special skills per se. I had a lot of determination and I had a vision of where I wanted to go. So I, I developed that. Um, and so personally, it was to build myself and become more athletic and capable. I wanted to feel like I was coordinated. I could pick up a hobby or do something and do it decently, right? Um, so that was a component. And then, um, you know, I worked in the gym. So I was in the gym a lot. I didn't really have that issue of, I've always been very self-motivated. That was never a problem. Now, I also, <laughs> I also am a sales rep in the dental world. So I, I, I do a couple of things. And when I started that 10 years ago, I started relating more to the average person out there that goes to the gym that has trouble 
finding time, knowing what to do. I need to feel better. You know, you have a family, you have a lot of obligations and things. And so now I could relate more to their struggles and their obstacles. And so my goal is then, hey, I understand that. I still train. Here are ways now I can help you better to feel good. Because if we can't perform, you know, if we can't be there for our kids or if we can't do our job well because of health issues or just not feeling good, I mean, if we don't have our health, it's it's really hard to enjoy anything else. So um, I see the benefit of wanting to maintain my strength and still progress as we get older. And I want you know, everyone that I can meet and help, uh, feel that same way. Yeah. So I, if you're helping mankind and basically you're like almost doing like a superhero's job, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, you feel like a, you're sometimes you're, you know, as a coach, you're kind of whatever that person needs. Sometimes you're just more strictly a coach and looking at techniques. Sometimes you feel like you're that you're their psychologist. Sometimes yeah. just a guidance person, you know, for them to bounce ideas off of. They're pretty autonomous. So you play a lot of different roles and you kind of have to work with individuals. But, um, you know, seeing people, I think, you know, we do have an, like an epidemic of obesity and people having, especially kids also getting out and having fun. And I want to inspire others that, hey, you don't have to do what I do <laughs> and you don't have to spend hours and hours in the gym, but you can get strong, you can get fit. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. Um, swinging is a part of it. Um, you can go hiking and take your clubs as people see me do out in the woods. Uh, so, you know, it's just, I want people to get that feel of what's possible that they can do. And once you start feeling better, that is just motivation in itself. So now what do your workshops look like and, and what can we expect to find and when are they? Yeah. So kind of how I developed my workshops and, um, of course we have a lot of great club practitioners out there doing teaching, <coughs> excuse me, I, going back to what I said earlier, I bring in some of my musical creativity training. And what I mean by that is I break down. So for me, I get, um, everyone has different names, but heart shapes is kind of the bread and butter, you know, go to adxclub.com to purchase a steel mace or a steel club. That's adjustable made right here in the United States. we want to get people up to that point. And then anything after that, you are starting now to really explore what club swinging has to offer. So in my workshops, they're about four hours. It's a build upon a, a layering process of building upon skill. And so we go through each of those sections, spend a lot of time actually doing the movements because that's one of the things in workshops, sometimes you can get overly verbose and people don't get enough time to actually play and explore and practice. So that's that's important to me. But at the end, I um, allow people to express their creativity. And that's one of the things that I feel club swinging is really beneficial because we obviously got the joint health, we got the physical, but and especially adults, we sometimes just start thinking very um, linear or compartmentalized and learning how to flow or link things together and think ahead. I always use the analogy that club swinging is like a foreign language. So we learn 
uh, words at first, and then we'll learn transitional words, and then we can make a sentence. So at the end of my workshops, I have about 45 minutes devoted to taking what they learned. So several patterns, a couple transitions, and then they create a sequence on their own um, of what they learned, and then they perform it for everybody. So, oh, wow. It, yeah, everyone gets to go around and have a turn. So they get an aspect of performance of having to learn something on the spot. And um, it's great. Like I had one guy, he's a Krav Maga and boxing instructor and his whole martial arts background uh, came out in his club swinging, which was awesome. So people start realizing it doesn't have to look like me. It can look like them. They can understand how they can take those patterns and make it really um individualized and it's it's just a fun part that i like to add wow that sounds amazing and uh now if anybody's listening and they're getting nervous about getting up in front of the group like that um i mean i'm just gonna throw my two cents in don't don't feel nervous because everyone's in the same boat with you but what can you say to somebody that might be like hesitant about doing that because um, I really want people to not feel that way. And that's why I'm asking you this. Um, sometimes people get that way, you know, and then they, right. they, they, they say, ah, forget it. I'm not going to do it, you know, and then, they're, then they're going to regret it. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? What can you say yeah. about that? Well, I have dealt with that. I've had all sorts of people. Um, so, and this is what I always preface this. I said, this is not to show off. This is basically you're learning about yourself. It's another way to uh, kind of take inventory of how you learn, what areas maybe you would like to develop more. Oh, I'm not that creative, or I have a hard time thinking ahead, or I can't stay focused. It, there's no judgment there. It's just completely understanding yourself better. So if I see somebody that can be a little bit nervous or, um, and I understand this because as a singer going and auditioning, you understand eyes on you and your level of preparedness, <laughs> you know, so there's that aspect that I want people to experience, but I just bring it down to its most simplistic form. If I, if they had that nervousness, I say, Hey, remember, we just did this really basic drill. I'll give them some, some cues or some ideas, just do this. Or I'll even create a sequence for them um, if they're having trouble. And I know that they can accomplish that task. Um, everyone has successfully performed it. Even if they made a, they did something different than they had practiced, that's okay because yeah. that's part of the process. So um, I take away all of that. I'm a huge um, jokester when I teach. I, everyone's laughing. I make it light. I make it fun. And uh, everyone has a great time. Uh, that's good when you can get people laughing. They loosen right up. And, <laughs> and it's, you know, I notice when I uh, coach people or do workshops and stuff, I'll find something about myself to just make make fun of myself a little bit or just I'll, I'll screw up. I mean, you can't help it. There's so many things. Sometimes you say something wrong or you, you say you're going to do this, but you do that. And everybody's looking like, what the heck is he? And, and you just you just make fun of yourself. And everybody just says, all right, this is this is fine. I can I could do this. Yes, absolutely. And it's it's a very informal um, setting. We just get everyone um, 
I think too, part of it is they're so wrapped up and trying to figure out what their right arm is doing and their left arm, yeah. is doing, you know, and they see every, everybody is pretty much in the same boat when you put a pair of clubs in hand. So it kind of levels the playing field. So even the most athletic person, you know, or strongest person, they're kind of right with everybody. I mean, occasionally I'll run into somebody that just, woo, you know, picks it up like that. But for the most part, everyone sees, oh, we're all in the same boat. We're all kind of struggling with the same stuff. So um, everyone is super supportive and, uh, you know, there's really no uh, intimidation factors. <laughs> yeah. Now, is this all Indian club, wooden clubs, or, or do you also have um, steel clubs in there? This is all Indian clubs. I, depending on the workshop, like I did a workshop last year at a large studio here in Dallas, and they had a lot of steel clubs, steel mace there. So kind of in the last 30 minutes, uh, we actually ended early. I went over um, some differences in steel mace, uh, sorry, steel club technique versus kind of light Indian club. Um, so, you know, I, I typically stick with Indian club, but I'll talk about various styles depending on my audience and demographic. Okay. And how would you describe the, one of the bigger differences between Indian clubs and steel mace? So uh, not steel mace, steel clubs. Steel clubs. Yeah. So a lot of people, you know, you'll get somebody, Hey, I got into Indian club swinging and here's my clubs. And you see them, you know, a picture of 10 pound steel clubs. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, this is so hard. Yeah. Yes. Oh, so, yeah. And, and especially if you try to do kind of open chain movements that you do in light Indian club. Oh, boy. <laughs> that is definitely challenging. So first of all, is understanding the weight. I kind of explain um, kind of the physics behind it, what, what swinging is and what you're trying to do. Um, it's not a muscular activity, you know, so in, in the sense that we're controlling a concentric and eccentric. But, uh, it, you know, heavy clubs until you actually build up your soft tissue. So like the meals that I was, I was swinging the other day, those are only seven and a half pounds. Um, so they're not super, super heavy, but most of the time you're starting with movements that are more close chain, more closer to the body, right. Versus longer levers that you do that are full range of motion with the joint. So with steel clubs, if you try to do that with a 10 pound, you could eventually do that, you know, once you get strong enough, but you also have to understand that club is actually heavier than it is when it's out here. Um, so those movements, like you're pulling over the shoulder or um, kind of like the um, strength movements with a, with a steel club, like uh, squatting and holding it out in front of you, things like that. Um, you know, those are a little different mechanics. So it's it's the same kind of thing once you start getting into heavier wooden club swinging, you know, the meals and um, the the style changes a little differently because there's no way that you do um, light Indian club movements with those heavy clubs. And that's where I think it's really beneficial because if you're trying to rehab, you know, your shoulders, your wrists or joints, lighter clubs, I would say lighter clubs, meaning from one pound up to potentially five pounds, um, you can explore a little bit more options, you know, lubricating the shoulder and stuff because you have more movements to to choose from. Yeah. So people can actually, anybody could start with Indian clubs just to get familiar with 
moving moving these things around their bodies and yeah. and comfortable with movements that later if somebody wants to go heavier and kind of change the style slightly they could incorporate steel clubs and do more yeah. yes absolutely i think you know steel clubs um it depends on the person's background and kind of, again, their goal. I think that both need really good instruction to understand what you're doing. It's just like the steel mace. Um, you know, I would say some of the steel club movements mimic a little bit more of mace work. So if someone's done mace, they would probably gravitate, you know, they could do the steel gloves and pick that up pretty quickly. Um, but for general health and general population, I think the lighter clubs serve a bigger purpose in the long run. Um, a lot of people have natural strength, but the ability to, you know, coordinate your joints and move them how you want instead of always just kind of this fashion, kind of like how, you know, I mean, I think of Indian clubs as bigger and smaller circles. And then we add also transverse turning in there. So a lot of people just have a struggle with that and they need to be able to, like you could take a one pound club and you can have super muscular guys. And then after one minute of swinging, they're like, oh my gosh, it's burning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, more for like that joint health, I think it serves a more uh, long-term purpose. And then steel clubs are great for kind of that strength for that progressing, like, pro you know, progressive overload. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Um, I think what people are doing when, when they're using like a two-pound club and they're just starting out is they're concentrating so hard because these patterns that they're doing are challenging that they're actually they're actually putting a lot of tension into their bodies they're holding the handles tighter they're squeezing they're not relaxed yes. and if you do anything like that you're going to wear out faster you're going to burn out it's the relaxed people that could just go for a while but you can't get relaxed until you get comfortable with the movement pattern you bring up a really good point there because uh steel clubs because they're heavier you're going to have more of that holding on to it tightly, a lot more tension. So with Indian clubs, like the workshop I'm doing in LA with Iron Revival, we're doing the kettlebell snatch and we're doing Indian clubs. And so we got that okay. strong first. We have what's called the fast and loose um, after doing max tension. So you got a highly explosive movement with the, the snatch. And then we're using the, kettle, uh, the Indian clubs to kind of create that opposite effect of relaxing and moving fluidly. So um, if someone can't understand how to, it's so funny because <clears throat> when I teach clubs, you see so many people trying to do it like they're lifting a weight. Yeah. Not understanding the principles of actually letting gravity take over, which is what's helping um, elongate, like, you know, decompress the joints and everything. And they're muscling it. Like when I'm swinging light clubs, there's so much going on nuance in my fingers of yeah. relaxing, gripping a little bit more, you know, releasing, um, depending on the movement you're doing. So all that kind of stuff gets developed more in light clubs. Then you go to a little bit heavier and 
you are still doing those kind of tense tension and relaxation things, but now you're stronger doing that, you know, with a heavier weight. So I, I agree. Like a lot of people don't understand how to be able to hold on to something, but carefully it's, it's always kind of the vice grip, right? Yes. So. Yes, exactly. A vice grip. And that's, that's a no, no for almost all this type of stuff. Um, I was given a good tip. They called it skin tight mm. or, or just grip it with your skin. I know it sounds weird, but I'm sure you, you get the analogy, right? <laughs> yeah, I get that. Um, yeah. If you, if you like would zoom in on one of my videos or swinging, you'll see that there's just a relaxation in the hands and that's how you get the fluidity, right? And so if someone is, and I can, I can see that, <clears throat> excuse me, and they're swinging, especially like in casting out, I can tell if their hand is holding it. There's a lack of smoothness. Yes. It's like a robotic, it looks robotic, choppy. Yes, exactly. Especially like a mill or something like that. <laughs> right. And we're always told like our strength comes from our grip. Well, that's true. Yeah. But knowing what I don't always need to do that, you know, what the purpose is. Yeah, exactly. You, you get that in your head and then you and then that's the that's gonna be the driving factor, squeezing <laughs> it, and then next thing you know, you're uh basically fatigued. You're exactly. done. Oh yeah. Yeah, you can't because I'm sure as you know, mace, meals, um, I mean your forearms get crushed immediately. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, so that's um interesting stuff. So when <coughs> you are training people, um, do you do you immediately jump on them about their grip? Or do you let them kind of just develop that through throughout the seminar? The reason why I ask is because uh, sometimes you can you can throw too much information at a person uh, when it's new, and you're telling them, "Oh, worry about your your grip, worry about this, worry about your stature, all that stuff," and they can get overwhelmed. Maybe even they want to run away after a while. Like, Oh my God, there's so much tech. I just want to come here and relax and I got to worry about all this stuff. How do you approach grip in that sense? Um, with all things, I, I try to see if they, they self-regulate first. So if I notice things, I don't say anything right away. As long as they're performing something safely, I see what they do, what they notice. Um, and sometimes people are pretty astute and can change things on their own. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I will, you know, cue one thing at a time and save other things for later. So I just want them to feel confident in the pattern. It doesn't have to be perfect. It has to just be okay. Yeah. And you make it better and better um, as time goes on. So because you're right, with a skill like Indian clubs or kettlebell, where there's a lot involved, uh, you can get burnt out very quickly. So, you know, just finding the right thing that will fix it. So if I notice their grip will fix another issue in their swing, then that's probably what I'll, I'll pay attention to. 
you know, so like I said, the cast out or they're not having a, a fluid fluidity. Uh, I'll just, I'll just mention that. And then it fixes a host of other things. So it's just, you know, dropping them a little bit at a time. And, but I'm a big believer in letting people, um, try to figure things out for themselves a little yeah. bit, give them some time, see what they feel and notice. Cause if we're always like there to, you know, do this, do this, do this, they're not really understanding themselves and they're just paying attention to me all the time. So um, that's kind of my process. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's more fun when a person gets to figure it, figure it out on their own. It's their journey. It's their discovery process. Yes, all these moves are the same. Everybody's doing them, but you're figuring it out how to do it your way. And that's always much more awesome, you know, as far as a learning process is concerned. So okay. uh, tell everybody what your next workshop is um and and you know what you have lined up for the future sure so um my next one is august 6th uh, in la with iron revival so this is a cool collab um kettlebell snatch and swinging so we are going to use indian clubs to help facilitate better movement with the snatch and it's going to offset kind of that yin yang kind of thing um but you will be able to leave the workshop knowing how to swing clubs in general. So even though it's kind of a niche thing, uh, people will be able to go away and say, hey, I still know how to use these clubs regardless. So that's coming up. Then um, I have another workshop in Las Vegas, uh, end of August. And that one is my just my Indian Clubs Foundation. So it's strictly clubs. We go through, that's four hours. Um, it's pretty much already booked, but if people want to are in that area and want to join, they can reach out to me. Uh, and then I have one in Charleston in September with the uh, Charleston Kettlebell Club. Um, that one, again, is just my Indian Club's foundations. And then one in October in Oregon. So another wow. club workshop. So kind of gone all over the place. <laughs> yeah. So you're just hopping on planes and going. Yeah, exactly. So do these places uh, have their have these Indian clubs in stock, or are you bringing all this stuff? Because not everybody has this stuff. No, they don't. Um, I I provide the clubs. Okay, well they're wooden I'm clubs, so it's a say again. Uh, I provide the clubs, and they get to keep them. But I use these uh, sustainable hemp clubs. Oh, okay, yeah. So everybody's uh, purchasing their own clubs for these workshops. No, it's included in the cost. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I've done steel mace workshops similar. Uh, everybody gets their own 10-pound mace. Because, I mean, you know, you're going to teach all this stuff, and you know how people are. I mean, I'm the same way. You're like, yeah, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go buy those. Three months later, you're like, yeah, I guess I'll go buy them, and you don't even remember what you were taught. you you got to have yeah. something to go home with. Correct. And that was one of the things that I wanted to bring to the table. So part of my, like, registration cost is – Everyone gets a pair of clubs to keep. They also get uh, my manual and they get access to my beginner and intermediate online club program. So they'll learn everything. Well, they'll have a refresher course, basically. So they once they leave and if they don't remember, oh, how did I do this? They can go to my online program, look that up. And then if they actually want to go a little bit further than what we covered in the workshop, 
they can, they can do that with my intermediate. So there's a lot of value that I pack. Into oh, that's, that's perfect. That's exactly what people need. I like that. Uh, what size Indian clubs do they get to go home with? Uh, a pound and a quarter. Okay. Kind of perfect. Um, these are great. I have a great relationship with these, uh, with the guy that manufactures these, um, wooden clubs can be, you know, obviously a little more expensive. And if beginners are hitting them and nicking them up, that's not always fun. So these, uh, sustainable hemp clubs are great. They have a good shape. They have a good feel and it doesn't matter if you knock them together. <laughs> Wow. So um, how heavy can hemp clubs go up to? Well, for light Indian club swinging, um, probably about to five pounds. Right. I would say anything beyond that is starting to get into a different shape, right. <clears throat> a little different style. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, I, is hemp, um, is it as heavy as, say, rosewood or a walnut or something like that? Or No, it's going to have a plastic feel, but like a better plastic. It's not going to feel um, – that's what it's kind of cool about these. It, it has a natural tackiness, and I don't want to say sticky, but it has a natural feel to the skin that's really nice. So if it's hot – or, um, which we have here in Texas, if it gets hot and sweaty, you still can hold on to the club well. You don't get blisters with it. Um, it it definitely, that's what's so cool about clubs and different materials because they all feel differently, just like mace, mace work and gata. Yeah. But it has a really, my, my main thing, especially with beginners, is kind of the style of the club and the length of it can really help people understand the swing mechanics. So this is a little bit of a, tear a teardrop shape and it's a little bit longer. So it, it just helps facilitate a good um, arch in the swing and um, that's really helpful. So it, feel, it definitely feels different than wood, but it feels a lot better than a lot of the plastics out there. Are you saying the fact that the club is a little longer is helping the person get like a sort of like a feedback, a better feedback of as they swing? Yes. So the longer the club, it sometimes will help them slow their swing down because I don't know if you've ever seen some swing, swinging, <laughs> you know, and I started off that way when I first began swinging a little too fast. Yeah. And I've seen some people, they're swinging that thing like, you know, nunchucks. Like nunchucks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so a longer club is going to help them slow down. They're going to have to think a, a little bit more about the pattern and create more fluidity. So one of the issues I see a lot with <clears throat> swinging is it tends to get horizontal versus we're creating circles and round shapes. And so it can get, if you have a shorter club, sometimes people will feel like they're swinging out like this. But if you have a longer club, it's gonna help you cast up and away. And it just naturally kind of puts people into those positions. So that's kind of one of the reasons I like that. Okay. That's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, are you planning on doing any workshops in New Jersey in the future? Well, if someone asks me. <laughs> okay. So you're not, you're not um, afraid to come to New Jersey and teach us out here. No, no, okay. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. So uh, when did, how did you teach yourself all of this stuff with clubs. There's a lot to know. And um, 
people, other people I've talked to, you know, they've mentioned finding reading materials online. Of course, there's videos you can follow and everything, but we know that that, that doesn't always help with the nuance of the, the technique and everything. Is this uh, stuff that you've been exploring a while and, and, and have you like actually been trained by anybody? Yeah, so interesting. Um, I got my first initial kind of instruction through uh, you. You know Kelly Manzoni. Oh yes. Yeah, through <laughs> through through her and some mutual uh, friends and colleagues, and that was yeah, like four and a half, maybe almost five years ago. So started there. Um, had a little bit of instruction, and then. <laughs> actually watch videos, but watch videos of Paul Volkovinsky yeah. and people that were really good practitioners. And I just studied, I studied, I studied. And so because I had already kind of developed um, a lot of like visual auditory, you know, a lot of my senses have been developed as a singer and how I learn things, I was able to pick it up pretty well. So I did that for a good long time. Then I would get some coaching actually from Paul. So he, um, I have never had any in-person coaching from him, but we would Marco or I would send videos. I've had uh, Zoom sessions with him and that's, he's given me feedback and instruction. So I've never had, I've never gone to a workshop. I've literally just observed very closely and saw what it's supposed to look like, what, um, and, and then also make it my own and my style, but like what is actually happening here? Um, and the other thing was I've read a lot of the, your, you know, and then still reading a lot of the historical literature. So I would go on to archives. I would look at the, you know, old books and stuff, um, read things, you know, I wanted to make sure um, I was, I'm, I love history. So, you know, I delved into that. And um, also just created my own style, though, too, because, you know, everybody, I didn't want to stick to kind of the standard um, basic patterns. I, I wanted to explore what worked for me and kind of, I, I, for me, it felt like dance in a way. So that, that's kind of what's motivated me. That's interesting. You mentioned you love history. I, I do as well. And it seems like a lot of people that do this modality you know at, at the very least um people like to refer to you know the ancient warriors or stuff like that you know um that's very appealing to a lot of people um and and then it kind of like you, you feel like you're gripping onto something that's a piece of history um and also like clubs was a big thing in the united states back in the early 1900s and then it just said bye-bye and like it disappeared <laughs> And like, there's people now you could be swinging clubs or whatever, and they don't even know what you're doing. No. And I mean, people in the fitness industry, I've even heard discrediting the all this type of uh, rotational training um, as being basically ineffective. Um, you know, people back then weren't really, they didn't know. They didn't know what we know. That typical... <laughs> you know, modern day uh, arrogant attitude that we're so much more advanced and better than these people from back in the day. Mm -hmm. and, and that 
really burns me because people back in the day knew a lot of stuff. I mean, they built pyramids for crying out loud. So, (laughs) you know, it is a good modality for all the reasons that you're discussing here. Um, I think you have, you have a point to that because um, I think everything works. Yeah. Works. Everything has some kind of benefit. Do some have more, is it like good, better, best, right? So you have some training modalities that might get you to your goal faster or be more efficient. Everything works in some capacity. And for some people, you know, for me, this is what gravitates towards me. Um, Can I do other methods to kind of improve shoulder function and joint health? Sure. But this is one that is, has a lot of benefits and, and for me is kind of endless and the ability that. Uh, of what you can learn from. So it never gets boring. Um, but the, you're right. So like in the history of it, a lot of chiropractors, a lot of clinical practitioners used it to rehab their patients. And they found that, Hey, people were living more pain-free. Now you have ton of anecdotal stories. And I hear it all the time of people, once they start picking up clubs, wow, my shoulder issue went away, or, you know, they feel so much better. Uh, some of the backlash you get is because in the evidence-based world, there's no real studies, right? No real research. And so therefore it's kind of like, well, you can't say those things because there's no research to really prove it, right? So there's that, but there's not a lot of research on other, and research is changing all the time. Like even in the strength training world, you know, now before we thought set, you know, reps of one to five was. Go to sleepymonkeytrainingacademy.com to turn your pain into power. A strength or whatever. Now you're finding that you can actually have hypertrophy and all rep ranges. You can get stronger in all rep ranges. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of things. So I, I feel like um, I'm trying to bring back clubs because it's fun and it is one of those things that unless you do it, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But once you start doing it, you start seeing, I say it's the gift that keeps on giving because once you start doing it, just kind of like mace or anything else, any of the circular training tools, you start seeing all the benefits that happen. And, you know, for me with my other profession, I constantly felt scattered all the time in my brain. Like I'm jumping from task to task to task. And how it related to my singing profession when I was in college, you know, I'd be locked in a practice room just so hyper-focused on what I was doing. I mean, that kind of brain work, like deep brain work, um, I didn't have with this other job and what I was doing. So when you're when you're working with such a, a tool that requires that kind of skill and complexity, if you want to do that, it started focusing my brain. I could get into that flow state. I could like, everything else went away for that moment. And it was so good for my brain. Like my short-term memory got better. You know, there's so many benefits that I experienced. So, yeah, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, It's funny. I, I tried to reach out to bands, like, you know, bands will come touring through New Jersey and I'm like, Hey guys, you know, this is the tool that you need. Like when you're in the studio, this is what you need because, (laughs) you know, imagine a drummer sitting there trying to lay down tracks and and he's concentrating like you just said and then they they just need a break so they go outside and they swing a mace or they do it right in the studio you don't need a lot of room 
and that and and what you're doing is you're taking your attention off of that detail, but you're putting it over here, which also requires focus, but a different kind of focus. Mm-hmm. It kind of reorganizes your brain. Yep. And then you could get back on task again. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way of saying that because um, I I had a drummer one time that I was teaching clubs to. He picked that up so easily. He, oh, I bet. He took his clubs wherever where he went. But you're right. Like, um, because uh, drumming or musicians, right? That is a, a a complex skill, and you're you're hyper focused on that. So taking that, I never kind of thought of it that way. But taking that into another kind of hyper focused thing but you're reorienting yourself and it's like resetting in a different way. And then when you come back, like anybody that knows if you're a musician or something, sometimes you learn something better by doing something different, right? Yes. You have to step away. Like the more that you constantly try to get better at it, you actually regress a little bit. So, right. so having something else um, to, to, to work with for a bit can actually make you better. So <laughs> I love yeah. that. Yeah, this is this is the detail about all this stuff that I've been really trying to uncover um, for uh, the podcast has been going on for three years now. And Monica, by the way, you mentioned Kelly Manzoni. She was a guest on the podcast. I can't remember which episode, but it was like when I first started it. Right. Mm -hmm. And she talked about some of this stuff. And she she's the one, by the way, I took a workshop from her. Uh, She's the one that said skin tight. Oh yeah, yeah. Anagata with with a bamboo pole, and ever since then, that's that little tip always helped. But getting back to what she was saying, uh, she was s- s- talking about swings with agata, and that it's crossing the midline of your brain, right? So it's left hemisphere, right hemisphere, and there's something pleasing about it, making these circles. It's good for the mind. And then somewhere else down the line, I was talking to somebody who had PTSD, and they mentioned that um, there's a, a therapy that, that therapists use in the office where as you're uh, discussing your trauma, you are actually coached to look to the left and to the right. They, you follow a pencil or something like that. And by looking left and right while you're covering your, your trauma issues – this is doing a something in your brain, how it's reorganizing the memory because trauma is just, uh, you know, PTSD is trauma that you just keep reliving over and over. Your brain's like on a, on a loop. So this apparently breaks that loop by putting the, the information that you have, the memory, reorders it in your mind. So now connect that to what we were just saying with musicians of course it's not trauma but it's another thing that you're focusing on it's focus it's how you're focused and what you're what you're doing to focus and what that's doing to you in the process correct and see you see this is what's fun about club swinging because people can look at it (laughs) they don't understand the layers you know yeah i I just nerd out on it but (laughs) (laughs) when i so I never thought of myself especially coordinated. I grew up singing. I played the piano. So there's still some of that left-right stuff, but um, to have me to juggle or there's some coordination aspects. I was like, man, I wish I could do that better. And once I learned Indian, Indian clubs, I could pick up other activities so much better now. It's made the learning experience easier for me, right? So people say, oh, that's 
easier to do when you're younger. I'm like, no, that's baloney yeah. because it's, it's how you train your body and your mind. You can actually do things, a higher skill stuff as you get older. But, um, when I was trying to learn asynchronous things, so, you know, or left arm is doing something completely different than my right arm. I literally could turn off one side of my body in the sense of concentration and focus on that one task I was trying to do. Oh, I really felt myself splitting my left and right hemisphere, so to speak. Yeah. And I could turn it off. So I had one side go on autopilot while I hyper-focused on what new pattern I wanted to learn. Once I felt I got it with that side, then I would flip it over. That would go on autopilot and I would hyper-focus on the other. Now, that was just something that I discovered that I could do while swinging clubs and trying to learn complex patterns. So it, it's just kind of an interesting thing because it <laughs> talk about really like focusing. You felt like you were in this other world and then you came out and you're like, okay, I'm back in the land of the living here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. You're taking a but trip. so good on the brain. Like you left those sessions with that hyper-focus feeling calm, feeling happy. And uh, so I believe like it is super therapeutic on the brain. Yeah. I, if I could uh, bite off of your thread, you just left here. So when I'm, what I noticed training left, right. Uh, if I learn a pattern, say with my right arm first, um, then you go over to your left side and then it's like, you feel like you're starting all over again. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so what I noticed, to help, you know, I learned this on my own by just a trial and error. I would go back and think about how I learned on my right side. Yeah. And then I would think like that on my left side. And then somehow I was, I was seeing it as a learning process of how I'm learning, which is I, I get Yes. Yes. I, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> it's like you're learning how you learn. Yes. Which is so much more important than just learning. Right. And uh, so and it's a discovery process because maybe you didn't realize you can learn in different ways. And I'll ask people, you know, are you kinesthetic? Are you auditory, visual? You know, and people will say something. I discovered, I never thought I was necessarily a visual learner, but through clubs and through like COVID, a lot of times I had to look at a video, which of course, a lot of times, you know, your, your right's over here, your left's over here, it's all backwards. And so that was another, you know, challenge. I got better, you know, by picking complex things, trying to break it apart and figure it out. Um, you know, I got better with it. And so um, one of the things I discovered was um, you said something there with the left and the right coming back. Oh, I felt patterns so I could see something and I, in my mind, I'm like, I know how that should feel. So that was another learning tool for me was not only like, okay, I see it and I'm going to mirror it. I know how it should feel my limbs and how it should feel in space. And that's what started actually developing the fluidness that I try to create and constantly try to hone in and finesse is how do I see it and feel it? So I feel the shape. It's weird. I see colors. <laughs> you 
<laughs> I feel this shape. And uh, that's my learning style. You know, you can try to tell someone else to do that. And they're like, what in the world? <laughs> you know? Yeah, it but might sound. That's their thing, you know? It, it sounds funny sometimes when you explain it. But how, you know, you got to find words to explain what's going on inside your brain, which sometimes is, is a hard thing to do. But, um, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Um, and maybe next time I, I swing, I'm going to explore that. Maybe yeah. maybe I feel it, too. I never thought of it that way, though. See, this is why this kind of conversation is really good to have, because this does apply to everything we do in life. So just picking up these tools gives us an opportunity to discover something about ourselves um, that once you discover it, like you just indicated, Monica, uh, now it's, it's, it's everywhere whenever you do anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's translated to, to pretty much anything. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there is a good, selling point right there um if you just want to you can't you can't uh get a negative out of it i mean you're not gonna hurt yourself no and you're not going to um be bored because how mm -hmm. could you be when you're trying to learn a new skill and you're just only going to develop some kind of good mental and physical behaviors right and i th i think that's the I think that's one of the things to hone in on, and especially now fitness, you know, sometimes we can get locked into, you know, numbers and strength and hypertrophy and the physique and the outward. Um, in today's society, a lot of times we want an outlet for our brain. And so the mental aspect and a lot of people can, you know, choose different ways to do that some but it, it needs to be some kind of creative outlet and for me club swinging has that creative component for the brain i remember teaching a, a client of mine he was a um, he's a cpa and we were trying to and i remember when i was teaching him just other things we were doing kettlebells and stuff and i noticed how he approached movement was very jagged <laughs> or like intermittent there was no fluidness about him right so that was interesting to to learn okay how do i get him to move this way or how do how does he learn you know when he sees something what does he do and so i went through all this checklist with him he didn't check off any of the boxes he's like i'm not auditory i'm not kind of kinesthetic i don't <laughs> like wow Wow. So that was interesting. And when he did clubs, like I got him, I got him to, you know, some doing some basics, but he had no reference point of inspiration to help him learn movement. And that was really interesting. That was the first yeah. time I ever met somebody that had no, no reference point. He just know? never did anything his whole life movement wise. No, he, he ran and he lifted, but like he was completely absent of a, of a vision or a reference point and how he learned and his body oriented yeah. himself. We okay. usually have something, right? Yeah. So that was very interesting to get him to feel connected to his body. Um, so that was a great challenge for me, but we, we made progress. And so that's why I'm saying like going to your point of self-discovery, he learned a whole lot about himself, <laughs> you know, with that. And um, I, I think that's just what, 
health and wellness is all about. It is obviously for our internal organs and our muscles and all that stuff, but there's also like an understanding about yourself too. I think that's, that's so important. Um, I had a discussion this morning with a, another new client and we were just learning, I was learning about how his brain works and I'm like, you can take that and then use that as an advantage and how we're, I'm going to program for you. Like if that's how your brain works, you're going to rock this type of programming and this is how we're going to do it. So that, that is just so important. How we process information, how we interpret it, you know, is kind of setting up, setting us up for success or just getting stuck. <laughs> yeah. I like that. You hear that uh, coaches out there listening, what Monica is saying, learn how your clients actually think mm-hmm. and then figure out how to, how to direct your, your training uh, around that, because that's where you're going to get your, your, your best results. Not, not from what you think it should be. It's got to be what they think. You got to meet them where they're at. Now you're a strong first coach, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I love, uh, I've taken classes from strong first, uh, for kettlebells mm-hmm. and I love, I, I mean, if I, if I was going to get a kettlebell certification, I would do strong first, but I understand it's very difficult to actually uh, pass with them. They have very high standards and that scares me. And I don't know if I want to. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be fine. You've got, a lot of it is actually just like mobility issues for a lot of people. They don't mm. pass because of the mobility, but if, you know, I've seen your stuff, you look like you would be fine. Um, especially with mace work and everything, but that's kind of the, the issues there is, um, you know, it, it, it is a, it's been a great tool for me because it's, it's strength pr- principles um, and you take that and it's a good starting point. Um, again, I am, like you said earlier, I am a, what we can do and we've all, I think all made these mistakes when we first started coaching is this is the way, this is how you do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a, a client that she's very ADD. And so I know how I have to teach her what will get her motivated, how I need to phrase things, how I need to program things that works for her, but doesn't work for somebody else. And it goes to your point of knowing how your clients think. And I'm going to say this as a little tag tag here. You know, we have this AI looming chat GBT that can program for people. Yeah. Can they learn your clients daily mind and thought process and what they need? No, like every time my client walks in through the door, I ask, how are you feeling today? Because I have a program in mind that I'm putting them through. But if they tell me this and this and this, I might need to change something, you know? So that's what we're here for. We're their guides, we're their coaches, you know? And so we have all these tools of that provide solid principles and foundations. But at the same time, we're dealing with a human and a human changes. So um that's just something I consider. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that. That's a, a thing that I'm really kind of concerned about. And I've heard other coaches, um, they've done posts about it and stuff. Like what this one guy, like he was like ripping people's heads off, uh, saying, you know, if if this is what you're doing, you know, you're you're um you're destroying not I forget his act, actual words, but basically saying if you're if you're some clown who's just having chat G GTP make make a program. Look what you're doing, um, sucking the soul out of humanity and everything. And 
he's not he wasn't far from the truth and and this kind of goes back uh to the earlier part of our discussion monica where i asked you why do you want to help people you know and and like that is an important thing there like you want to actually do this to help people and us coaches we know how much this fitness stuff actually will help it it'll keep you away from the doctor it'll keep you um uh, moving around living longer away from medications and all the crap that we know is actually all bs right mm -hmm. it's like like i i'm maybe i'm going a little far and above here to say this but us coaches like if you give us a chance we we can give your life a whole new makeover like you've never seen before and nothing that a doctor is really going to give uh, you know take it with a grain of salt what i'm saying but right there there's I, and i get it like we are you sometimes you have to work with people that have financial constraints you know there's there's certain obviously um understandable factors that could maybe be a barrier to someone, but at the same time, <clears throat> there's always a way, there's always a way. And I think that, you know, if maybe for me, I know what I'm doing. If I want someone to program, I can go to chat GPT and say, Hey, I want a hypertrophy program for this and this and this, boom, boom I follow it. Right. You know, it might be profitable for some people, but most people come to us because they don't know how to move well, or they don't you know, they don't necessarily just want a program to follow. They want the whole package. And I feel that's how we're going to retain our value is that we have to be more than just, here's your reps and sets. Um, you are helping them guide them into a better life for themselves. And I, you know, wh why you have to create yourself to be, um, you know, in, 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 indispensable. Not, indispensable basically right yeah. i was thinking of another word of a book that i read but that's kind of the same thing um by by facilitating you know like i had a guy come in one of my clients he had shoulder injury back in, back injury and knee knee issues and we still trained but you know if he was on his own he probably just want to work out right right or you know how is ai going to help him with that <laughs> not yeah. right now you know, so I think we have to have those soft skills and we have to connect as humans. And ultimately, I think that's what a lot of people still want. They they want that connection there. And it just makes it more fun. I mean, that's why I love going to workshops and working out with people and training with people. Like that is such an awesome experience, right? I still want to get a huge gathering of club swingers together and we just have a huge meetup. <laughs> Let's do it. Where, what's the location? I don't know. We got to find one, but I would love to do that. <laughs> somewhere out in Texas or somewhere up in the Rocky Mountains, perhaps. I, I, I like that idea better. <laughs> Next to a nice lake where the where the glaciers are, are melting or the yeah. snow is melting and coming down into the... That sounds yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah, the human connection is definitely uh, the most important thing here. And um, it, it's one reason why I've always liked to train with other coaches and yeah last night i took uh some martial arts classes for two and a half hours it just connecting with those guys and working with them just it's fun it's just fun and it it's worth fun. it worth every dollar yeah for sure 
I, yeah, exactly. Cause you learn, you just learn so much. You learn more about yourself and it's just a great bonding experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the better things you could do with your time better than sitting at a bar or <laughs> watch a TV eating yeah. junk food. Right. So, exactly. <laughs> so now Monica, uh, if people want to train with you one-on-one, -on -one, you're in Texas. Uh, can you uh, give us the information on how to contact you and, and uh, hook up with you? And, and, you know, if there's uh, something separate for the workshop, um, what that is? Yeah. So I'm, I'm a hybrid of sorts. So I definitely have, um, you can train with me in person. I have a couple uh, gyms that I train at. So if you want to train with kettlebells, you know, we can do that. If you want to do clubs, if you want to come in, I've had people come in from, you know, out of town and just have a good long session with club skills for me. So I'm happy to do that. I also will do um, virtual training. So some of my longtime coaching that I do is uh, through just, you know, FaceTime calls and we can do that. I can also program for you. So I program if you're training for a strong first cert. I have a girl in Serbia right now that I'm uh, programming for her cert in August. So um, you just contact me through my um, DMs on uh, my Instagram and I'm definitely happy to help. So I try to, I try to work with everybody where they're at and help them where they're at. So it's, I'm not too rigid and you only have to do it this way. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. And you'll have to uh, let us know if uh, you're doing any workshops somewhere in uh, New Jersey or the East coast or something like that. Absolutely. I will go where anybody wants me. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely wanting to keep spreading the word. <laughs> All right. And then do uh, come back onto the podcast in the future. Uh, great discussion today. I'm glad we got into all that that nerdy stuff because that's <laughs> that's what this show is all about. And you know, uh, we're building up information here so that people can use it and and understand that this modality is just awesome and lots of fun. Absolutely, it can serve them however it needs to serve them, and I think that's what's so so awesome about it. Uh, that's good. It could serve people the way they want it to serve them. That's great. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks, Monica. I appreciate it. And thanks, everybody, for tuning into this one. Make sure you uh, check out Monica's Instagram. Check the show notes below. And we will see you at the next episode. Take care, everybody. <laughs>